Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We've been doing a series on the weapons of our warfare. How many know we're in war? What's going on around us today is an example of what we've been talking about. The Word of God says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. We see an example of that in our nation, in our world today, that what is going on is warfare that is happening all around us. We're engaged whether we want to be or not. And we can do one of two things. We can just lie down and let the enemy run roughshod over us. Or we can stand up and fight. We can take on the weapons of our warfare. We can, we can put on the shield of faith. We can take up our armor. We can gird ourselves about with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can put on the helmet of salvation. We can, we can have our, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We can do those things and we can defeat the enemy or we can just be fodder for the enemy. But we have to fight. We're called to fight. The Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. Is that right? Fight the good fight. If we're called to fight, what does that mean? Does that mean we're just... No, it means we fight. We stand up against. Now, um, last week we talked about praise. How many were here last week? Wasn't that good? How many have been doing what Jeremy said all week? You've been praising. You've just been, you know, using your hands. You've been doing... You're lifting up your voice to the Lord. You've been praising the Lord. You see, put on the garment of praise. And then when you do, then the spirit of heaviness will lift off of you. Anybody ever praised yourself through a situation? You find yourself in a situation and you feel burdened. You feel heavy laden. What do you do? You just, you praise your way through it. An example of that is Paul and Silas. And, you know, when they were in jail and, and, and uh, they were put there unjustly. And they were beaten. And they were chained. And what did they do? Did they complain and moan and groan about what was going on? Did they get on Facebook? No. Thank God they didn't have it back then. Amen. No, they got their face in the book. And they began to praise. They began to worship. And God changed their situation. But I want to talk to you about another power that we have that is, is probably the most, under, most hindered, the most misunderstood, the most undervalued. And underutilized weapons that we as believers have in our spiritual arsenal. You know what that is? Prayer. We talk a lot about it. We, we have seminars about it. And we have a lot of books written about prayer and all those kind of things. But it is something that we really don't seem to understand what prayer really is. Because we get a hold of it. If we get a hold of it, then it revolutionizes the way we think and the way that we live our lives. I want to say, first of all, that prayer is not something that should be tedious to us. It shouldn't be something that is laborious for us. It should be something that is joyous for us. It should be something that we do because we believe God. How many believe God? Now, the Bible says in Matthew 21, 22, if you're not there, go there. Matthew 21, 22 says, if you believe, that's why I ask you the question. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, how many have things in your life that you need? Well, here's a way to get it. Ask for it. 
ask for it. If you believe, you will have whatever you ask for in prayer. So we continue our series today and we focus on that very important weapon. Why is prayer such an important weapon? It's not just an important one. It is the most important weapon that we have. Jesus gave us an example of that. Jesus gave us an example. He was the Son of God. He was, he was the very Son of God. He came. He knew what His mission was. But still, we find Jesus at every turn. What was He doing? Pray. He would go away. He would get away from His disciples. He would go into the wilderness to pray. And you know what He would do? He would pray all night. And, you know, have, have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried just praying all night? I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, we were going to have a, an all-night prayer meeting. And, and some, of the, some of the folks that are in here today were actually in my first youth group. And they remember this, this experience that we had. We were committed. At 8 o'clock, we came in. Remember that, Crystal? We were going to pray all night. And boy, we got into it. In about 15 minutes, we just flamed out. <laughs> it was like a rocket just crashed and burned. <laughs> You know, so, you know, we, we, we prayed. We said about everything we knew to say. And then we got down at the altar, and we're kneeling at the altar. And next thing I know, I hear somebody snoring. And it reminded me of Jesus, you know, in the garden, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26, he says, you know, you wait here. He said, I'm going to go over here and pray. He said, you stay here and you pray. You watch and pray with me. So Jesus goes into the garden. He's laboring in prayer. And, and, and he knows what's before him. He knows what's coming up. You think he was looking forward to it? No. I mean, Jesus knew in advance what was going to happen. He knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew people were going to spit on him. They were going to curse him. They were going to beat him up. They were going to slap him around. They were going to hang him on a cross. They were going to crucify him. He was going to be buried. He knew what was coming up. And what was his response to that? Do you think he was looking forward to it? No. He said to the Father, he says, Father, he said, if there's any other way we can do this, there's any other way we can do this, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was willing to do it. And he prayed so intensely that he sweat great drops. His sweat became like drops of blood. He was praying so intensely. Anybody ever prayed that intensely? I don't know of anybody. But Jesus did. So he comes back out. And what do you think the disciples are doing? They were having a youth prayer meeting. They were... They were asleep. He had Peter, James, and John with him. This, this was the A-team. These were the guys that were his closest associates, the ones he had poured the most into. They were asleep. And he says to Peter, he says, Peter, couldn't you just watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you just stay awake for one hour and, and watch and pray with me? And he goes back into the garden. He prays some more and he comes back. And you know what? When he came back, what do you think was happening? sleep again and he says to Peter he says Peter watch and pray that you enter not into temptation for the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak we all want to be prayer warriors we all have that desire. I mean, how many has a desire to be just a, a prayer warrior? I mean, you just want to be, yeah, yeah. Well, you can. And you should be. But it should be a lifestyle. 
Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he says, pray always. What does that mean? Always. Always. How do we pray always? How do we continually pray all the time? We were listening to John Bevere yesterday in our, in our men's meeting, and we're doing an honors reward, and he was talking about, you know, the difference between him and his wife. He said he used to get up in the mornings and go spend a couple hours in prayer with the Lord, you know, just, just, just praying intensely and everything. He said his wife would spend about 10 minutes in the shower praying, and God would answer her prayers, and she would get things done. And he's like, what is it with you? You, you just pray 10 minutes a day and I'm out there two hours. She says, no, I don't. She says, I'm praying 24 hours all the time. I'm in a constant attitude of prayer. I'm listening to the Father. I'm communing with God. I'm listening to Him. And, and that's, that's the where we should be. I, I've got a, a scripture for you that, that kind of points that out. And it is Psalm 91. I like the amplified version of it. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. For then he will deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the, pest, uh, the deadly pestilence. Then he will cover you with his pinions. Under his wings you shall trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. Then you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots, and the slanders of the wicked that fly by the day, nor of the pestilence that stalls in the, stalks in the darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. Then a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, and it shall not come near you. Only a spectator you shall be yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place. There shall no evil befall you nor any plague or calamity come near your tent for he will give his angels special, a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all of your ways of obedience and service. Isn't that good? That's the prayer closet that we should enter into every morning. Should be a constant reminder that his presence is always with us. That he never leaves us nor forsakes us. It isn't like we have to go running to God every time that we need something. Understand that he is already there. We only need to call on his name. And he will answer. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call upon me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Things that you don't have any idea that I can do. I'll show you. He said to Abraham, or he, he says, I am your exceeding great reward. I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. He was there with him all the time. Abraham, the father of the faith, he walked with God. He knew God personally. 
Abraham would talk to God face to face. Moses would talk to God face to face. They had this encounter. They had this, this, this dwelling with him. And Jesus had the same thing. You know, when Jesus was in the boat in the middle of the storm and he was asleep. Why was he asleep? Because of Psalm 91. He knew that God had given his angels charge over him. He knew that he was in a safe place. That nothing was going to happen to him. Because he had committed himself to the Father. The disciples were going crazy. They were going berserk because, you know, the storm had come up and the waves were. And, and, and they looked at Jesus and said, don't you care that we perish? And what did Jesus do? He just spoke to the wind and the waves. He said, peace, be still. He just calmed right down. Now, you can do the same thing in the middle of your storms, too. You can say, peace, be still. You don't have to be anxious and overcome by everything that's going on around you. You see, prayer isn't something that is laborious. It's, it's, something, it's not something that we should shun. It's not something that we should, should you know, we, we look at prayer as being something that we do because we're Christians. We have to do it because that's what Christians do, right? You know, when we get saved, we come to the Lord, we've been counseled, here's what you do. Well, you've given your heart to Jesus now. Number one, you've got to pray. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to get in a church. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. That's, that's good, good counsel, right? That's what we should do. But we make prayer being, I mean, it's almost like a, a, a wordy dirt. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like something that... that you do it because it's a requirement. But no, we don't do it because it's a requirement. We do because it's our ultimate privilege. It's something we get to do. We get to go to the Father. Whenever we have problems, we have situations, we don't have to bear the load ourselves. We can go to Him. Whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against Him in prayer. When, when we when we know that things around us are going on, what's happening inside of our circle? God. Greater is He that is in you than He that's in the world. The Holy Spirit inside of us, the third part of the Trinity, the Godhead living inside of us, it's God. God the Father. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Where is God? Where's God? He's right here. He's inside of you. He's inside of me. He lives. He dwells in here. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And if God Himself is inside of me, there is nothing that can come near my dwelling. Amen? I don't have to worry about the arrow that flies by the day. I don't have to worry about the darkness. I don't have to worry about nothing. I don't have to fear anything. Because greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. All the stuff that's going on around us. Around us we've known it was going to happen. It should not surprise us because we're living in the, in the last days. Perilous, dangerous times shall come. You know what the Bible says? You know what Paul, Timothy, Paul told Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, in the last days perilous times shall come. We're living in those days, by the way. If you haven't noticed, we're living in perilous times. I just saw recently, just a couple, about a week ago, the Salisbury, North Carolina, 
has the dubious distinction of being the ninth most dangerous city in our state to live in. That's just mind-blowing. Ninth. That's what I said. The ninth most dangerous, most dangerous city in our state. Little Salisbury. But, you know, why is it dangerous? It's because of things going on around us. But how should that affect us? What should we do? What can we do to come against it? Stand in the authority that we have. Have faith in God. And you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the depths of the sea. And it might possibly obey you. Is that what it says? Oh, it says what? It shall what? Really? It shall obey you? That's what it says? So we see a mountain of fear, things that would cause fear, cause confusion, things that would divide us. We see these mountains, and we can say to these mountains, be removed and cast away from us. Be cast into the depths of the sea, and it shall obey us. Are we doing those things? That's the power that we have through prayer. We can stand against these things. No harm shall come near your dwelling. Where do you live? I live in Salisbury, North Carolina. No harm shall come near my dwelling. He will give his angels charge over you. God surrounds us. And this is, this is where we live. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We live in the shadow of the Almighty. What does that mean? Whose shadow am I living under? Huh? Whose shadow are you living under? God's. I'm living under the shadow of the Almighty. That means my dad's always looking over my shoulder. He's always there with me, no matter where I go, no matter what I do. I remember a couple of years ago, I went to Mexico to a place called Tapachula in Chiapas. And somebody asked me when I was going, said, don't you know that's one of the most dangerous places that you can go as a missionary? Is listed in Fox's books, book, not the Fox's, but the uh, Book of Martyrs, not the Book of Martyrs. The, what is that thing? Uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Thank you very much. The Voice of the Martyrs. It was listed in the top 20 most dangerous places to go as a missionary, as a child of God. And someone said, you mean you're going there? Why are you going there? I said, well, the Lord said to go. Well, aren't you afraid? Why should I be afraid? If God is with me, who can be against me? Why should I fear? You see, when we understand that we dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, when we walk in, in, in the shadow of Him, then nothing can harm us. Unless he gives permission. And he's not about to give permission for somebody to harm his kid. Amen? So, I want to talk several about several kinds of praying. First of all, praying without ceasing. And I've got the Greek word. I don't know if I can even pronounce it correctly for you, but I'm going to give it a shot. Proshokamahi. Pros yo kamahi. It means to pray to God, to supplicate, or to worship, to pray without ceasing, uninterruptedly, without omission, for an appropriate occasion. There are times when God has called us to pray without ceasing until we get the answer. 
You know, there was Daniel when he prayed, and he was praying, and, and he, there was something going on in the Spirit. He understood that there was something going on in the Spirit, but he didn't know exactly what it was. But Daniel continually prayed for 21 days until the answer was dispatched to him. The answer was dispatched immediately, but it took 21 days to get there because there was opposition. We wrestle not against flesh and, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, things that we cannot see that are there in the spiritual realm. Remember at the beginning of this series, I said, I told you what the Word says, that that which is flesh is, that which is spirit is spirit. You can see and touch flesh, but you can't see spirit. There are things going on that we cannot see. And so often we don't understand what those things are. Because we can't see them with our eyes, and therefore we can't understand what they are. But it is in the spirit realm, and then we get the revelation of it. That's what happened to Daniel when the angel Gabriel arrived 21 days later, and he says to Daniel, Daniel, from the very first day you prayed, I answered. But I was withstood by what? The prince of Tyre, which was a spiritual entity, a strong demonic being that stood in his way. He was so strong that the stronghold of the enemy was so strong because of the demonic activity that was going on that even Gabriel was having trouble breaking through. You know what he had to do? They had to dispatch the warring angel, Michael. God sent Michael to break through what was going on so that the answer could come to Daniel. What was the answer? It was revelation as to what was going on. Sometimes we need revelation in our life. Don't stop praying until you get the answer. Understand that the things going on in the spirit realm that you cannot see, but the answer has been dispatched. The answer is on the way. You need that rainbow from God. You need that revelation from God. Just wait upon the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Wait upon the Lord. Wait. Wait, I say. Wait on the Lord. Wait till the answer is revealed to you. The answer is already there. But don't give up until you get it. What a strong weapon we have when we wrestle in the Spirit, when we understand what prayer is. And then there's the prayers of petition. Ephesians 6, 17, it says, with prayer and petition or specific requests. That's what prayers of petition are. You know, sometimes we pray in such general terms and we expect God to, to figure it out because God knows everything right. But the Bible tells us to pray with prayers of petition. You know what petition are? Supplications with petitions to the Father. We make a request known unto Him. We give Him the specific request that we have of the Father. Why does God tell us to pray that way? Well, when we're specific in praying, then we examine ourselves to see if we're praying according to the will of God. If we just throw general prayers out there, you know, God bless our children. God bless mom and dad. God bless our church. Amen. You know, most people pray three times a day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But when we pray all day long, when we live in an attitude of prayer, when something happens, when there's a, an, an interruption or something in our life, we know how to pray. We learn how to take authority over things that are happening around us because we understand the prayers of binding and loosing. Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew 18, he says, I give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven also. Now, what does that mean? 
There are things that are happening around us that need to be bound. The enemy, understand, is a powerful foe. How is he powerful? Through deception, through things that are going on, through deceit. And he works through people. He works through situations and circumstances. The enemy is very real. He's very, understand, don't downplay the power of the darkness. It's very real. We see it. Murder. We see sexual addictions. We see these things going on in the realm of the spirit. These are not physical things. These are spiritual things that are happening. They're very much spiritual. How many have ever heard the word pharmacy? Anybody know what pharmacy is? Where do we go to get our drugs? To the pharmacy. Why is it called pharmacia? Well, the root of pharmacia, the Greek word calls it pharmakia. You know what pharmakia is in the Greek? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. It's manipulation. And we manipulate our senses. We manipulate our bodies through drugs and, and things that we use to try to, uh, try to fix things. And, and most often we deal with the symptoms rather than the root cause. Right? But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we deal with the cause. There was a woman in Luke chapter 13 who was bent over. And Jesus saw her. And immediately he understood what was going on in her body. She was bent over because, not because she had scoliosis. She was bent over because she had a demonic spirit that had caused her, a spirit of infirmity that had caused her to be bent over all of these years. Jesus cast the demon out of her and immediately she was made whole. There was another boy who would be thrown down on the ground, and we would recognize that today, and we would, we would recognize it as being epilepsy. Remember that? So, in Mark chapter 9, Jesus had gone up with his disciples up on the mountain, and he came back down, and there he was transfigured. And when he came back, his disciples were, you know, they, they, were, they were confused, and, and, and there was this little thing going on because a man had brought his son to them, and he was unable to cast the spirit out of him. And the Spirit would cause him to fall down on the ground and go into convulsions and to foam at the mouth. What does that sound like? What does it sound like? Seizures. Epilepsy. He would fall down on the ground. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to cast the Spirit out of my boy. And he asked his disciples, why couldn't you do this? He said, I brought him to the disciples. They couldn't do it. Jesus said, this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. So Jesus immediately cast the spirit out of the boy and he was made whole. Now that's where our power comes from is in prayer. When we realize that we can do nothing of ourselves. Prayer is the purest form of humility. Because when we don't pray, we say that we are capable of doing things ourselves. Right? When we don't pray, we are saying to God, I don't need you. I don't need your help. I can do this. I can do this. Anybody ever tried to do something yourself when you knew that you could probably get some help from somebody else that would make things a whole lot better? 
I remember when we were doing the work in here, uh, one night I went and got some carpet for the, for the children's room over there. And I thought, I can do this by myself. Had a big roll of carpet. So I went and got a wheelbarrow. And I brought the wheelbarrow over, and I, and I laid this carpet on the wheelbarrow. And I started to roll with it. And when I did, the carpet rolled, and I tried to stop it, and it twisted my wrist. So I have a constant reminder that I should have got some help. All it would have taken is a moment to come in and say, could you help me bring this carpet in here? But I thought I could do it by myself. That's the way it is with God. We find ourselves a lot of times trying to do things ourselves. When God said, if you'll call upon me, I will answer. If you just give me a moment, if you just need help, call upon me. I'll help you. And, and so often, the prayers that don't get answered are the kind that aren't prayed. When we pray, God answers. God always answers our prayer. It might not be exactly what you expect, but God always answers our prayers. I guarantee you that when you call upon the Lord, He says He will answer. So we pray. We pray with petitions. We pray with requests at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, view, be alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And when we pray and petition for other believers, we're standing with them in whatever situation they may be encountered or be preparing to encounter. And I mentioned being on missions trips. And one thing that really is a comfort to my heart when I go on missions trips is to know that I have people back home that are standing in prayer for me. You're praying for me. And God calls us to pray for those that are doing ministry, that, to, to lift up our, those that, that, are, that, are, that are working for him. So Paul goes on in verse 19. He says, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me to the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Then here's the most powerful prayer that I know of. Romans 8, 26 through 28. This is when we, are, when we hit a brick wall. Anybody ever been there? You don't know how to pray. You're in the middle of a situation. It happens. Boom. And you don't know how to pray. Anybody ever been there? Am I the only one? So what do you do? You, you just, you know, your mind just cannot figure out what's going on. You need God to intervene. And so here's, here's what happens. Romans eight twenty six through 28. New Living Translation. And it says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays. He intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. And here's the verse that everybody knows. And we know that Oh, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Praying in the Spirit is the most efficient, the most powerful way a saint can pray. For in so doing, we're always praying according to the will of the Father. Wow. Isn't that, it's amazing that this is one of the most powerful weapons that we have and probably the most underutilized weapon. That we as believers have. Why is it? You know, pride gets in the way with a lot of things. Pride gets in our way too often. When we pray in the Spirit, our understanding is unfruitful. But our spirit is praying to the Father. It's when we disengage our natural man and our spirit man is totally engaged with the Father. That's praying in the Holy Ghost. 
There have been times in my life when I prayed in the Spirit when I did not know what was going on like every day. But there are times, specific times, when I don't know what is happening and I understand there's something happening in the spirit realm that I need revelation about or I need God to speak to me or I need God to move. Then I pray in the Holy Spirit. You know what? God always comes through. I pray till I get an answer from God. I get a peace in my heart that God is heard and the Holy Spirit is, is, has this situation in hand. And that gives me a peace that passes all understanding. All of us can pray. All of us can have this weapon at our disposal. It's one that, that we need to utilize. We must utilize it if we're going to overcome. If we're going to be victorious in this thing that God has called us to, then we cannot fight the enemy in the flesh. It won't work. We'll always be defeated. Because that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. We cannot defeat spirit in the flesh. Verse, uh, 1 John 5, 14, 15 says, And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know that He hears us when we make our request, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. Again, praying in the Holy Ghost, when you are disengaged in your carnal mind, but your spirit is in tune with God, you know you're always praying according to the will of the Father. He will always get the answer. You'll always get it. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and, pre- well, I, I put presidents, and all who are in authority so that we may leave, live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And if every believer did this in our country, it'd do a 180. You know, we have got to lay aside our political differences. I'm not speaking as a Republican or a Democrat or a social rat or anything else. I'm just speaking to you as a believer in Christ. We need to stop it. We need to stop it. We need to pray for our leaders, whether you like them or not. We need to pray for them, for the president, for our senators, for our congressmen, for our governors. It's hard sometimes, believe me, because our emotions get involved. But if we can pray in the Holy Spirit, then we get our emotions out of the way. We can genuinely pray for our leaders and understand that God will hear and He will answer. If my people, which are called by my name, what are we called? Come on. We are here as a Christian church. We're Christians. We're believers. And if we're called by His name, if we're called by the name of Christ, if my people who are called by my name, Jehovah God, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. Who's responsible for the mayhem that's going on in our world? Satan? Satan has a part of it, yes. But you know who has a huge part of it? The people of God who have refused to pray. 
who have fallen asleep at the wheel, who have not watched to pray because our flesh is weak. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. How much time do we spend praying for our president, praying for our leaders, as we do on Facebook, condemning them, criticizing them? How much time do we spend before the Father on their behalf, lifting them up, asking God to help them, to bless them? Even Daniel prayed for the king. You know, even though Nebuchadnezzar was an unrighteous king, Daniel still prayed for the king. He prayed for his welfare. He prayed God's blessing on him. Why? Because God said so. God has called us to pray for those who have the authority over us. Paul goes on. Pray for this way for kings and presidents, all who are in authority. Why? Because he wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I gave you that. Now, James five thirteen gives us a synopsis of the power of prayer. This is so amazing. James five thirteen says, "If there are, if there are any afflicted, or if you're having trouble, then do what? Pray. Who pray? You pray. If there are any afflicted among you, let." Them pray. It's okay to call somebody and ask them to agree with you, but you pray. The reason you're being afflicted might be that God is trying to tell you something. He's trying to change the situation in your life. You know, sometimes we get ourselves in, in, in financial trouble, and we do it because we're not listening to God. We're not praying. We're not seeking the face of God. And God says, stop it. Let me help you. And when we begin to pray, God begins us to give revelation of our situation and give us ways and means that we can change it ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit will help us as we're obedient to the Word of God, understanding that the borrower is servant to the lender. That's a biblical concept. That's just one area. The other area, in healing. Well, if you're on the verge of being diabetic and it has to do with your weight I got a word from God for you leave the chips alone stop drinking the soft drinks get off the couch and walk or run or do something that's a word from God for you take care of your body it's the temple of the Holy Spirit it's God's it doesn't belong to you it belongs to Him for He bought it with a price by the blood of the Lamb That's my word from God for you today. It'll help you. You see, God gives us wisdom. He gives us knowledge. And we're to act upon that. So if there's any suffering hardships, you should pray. Or if any of you are happy, you should sing praises. Or any of you sick, you should call the doctor. (laughs) What? Well, isn't that what we do? Johnny's got a rosy nose. What do we do? Oh, call the doctor. I got a rash on me. Call the doctor. When the Bible tells us to do what? Call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. But some of us are like, I don't like getting that oil on me. Such prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and say it with me, 
and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. Isn't that good? We have an answer. We have a solution. God has already given it to us. But we will spend thousands and thousands of dollars. God has the best health care plan imaginable if we will only take advantage of it. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes you are healed. Is that what the word says? Okay. Are we, are we believers? All right. Good. I'm not trying to put anybody out of a job or anything. I'm just saying. And then in verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other. And then get on the phone and call somebody and tell them what was just confessed to you. And what it says? I want you to pray with me. You know, somebody just told me that they're blah, 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 blah. Will you pray with me? No. Confess your faults to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest, effectual, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces great results. I want to show you something. This is, this is so amazing. And the thing that God did it for us. When we were in Avon several years ago, and we were pastoring out there, it was in 1995. We had just gone there in August of 1995, and a week after we got there, a hurricane came barreling towards Hatteras Island. And it was, it was on a collision course. It was a Cat 5 at one point. And within 90 miles of Hatteras Island, it was a Category 4. Wow. If a Category 4 hit Hatteras Island, have y'all ever been out there? You go up on the lighthouse at Hatteras Island, you can see it's just nothing but a little ribbon running up through there. And if that would have hit that island, it would have just, it would have devastated it. Been horrible. And we just got there. So we're praying and we're just like, oh God, what? And the Lord just, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, James 5, 17. James 5, 17. So I get my Bible and I open it up to James 5, 17. And it says that Elijah was a man with like passions, even as you and I. And he prayed. And God shut the heavens for a period of three and a half years, according to the word of Elijah. Then Elijah prayed again, and God opened up the heavens and watered the earth, and it brought forth fruit. I'm thinking, wow. Wow. God did this for Elijah. Well, he was no different than I am. You know, he put his tunic on the same way I do. He was just like us. He felt the same way. I mean, if you read about Elijah, you find out that he got discouraged. He got scared. He got, I mean, he was a powerful man of God. He did some amazing stuff. But he was just like you and I. But he prayed and God answered. When God gave me that revelation, I got our guys together and and we went across the street. There was a crab house right across the street from the little church we pastored. Little Assembly of God Church in Avon. And right beside it was a mound of sand that they had piled up there to dig out the harbor where the boats came in. 
So me and these two powerful men of God, we go out on this little mound. And we begin to look at the face of that storm and command that thing to go back out to sea, to reverse its course, and to go back out to the sea and die in the name of Jesus. I want to show you what happened. See this? That's Hurricane Felix. You see that little sandbar right in here? You can't see it right over this, this side over here. See it? That, that's Hatteras Island right there. That little green stuff. And we were right directly in front of that little dot there. What that little dot is, is the course of the hurricane that was making a beeline toward Hatteras Island. It got within 90 miles. And we prayed. And the time we prayed, God turned that thing and it made a loop. It went around and made a little loop. And then went right on out to the right on, right on out into the ocean. It skirted. It skirted up in, I believe it was up in uh, Jersey Shores, and it did a little damage up there to some of the casinos. But it went on out. That's all it did. This was a cat, cat four, cat five hurricane that was coming right at Hatteras Island. We see what God does when we pray and we believe and we stand in faith, and understand that you are no different. Than Peter, you're no different than Paul, you're no different than Elijah. We all have the same power available to us. God is no respecter of persons, and when we pray, we've got to believe that God answers. We've got to have faith in Him and understand that whatsoever we say, we have. We have to stand in faith and believe Him. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have, and we can stand in the face of the enemy, and we can take authority over the enemy. We don't have to put up with His junk. We have authority. It's through Him. See that? That's just an example. God will turn storms. I remember several years ago, we were having some kind of event. Remember, and it was going to rain. They were calling for rain. And we prayed, and God just put a little, half of it went this way, and half of it went that way. We had clear skies all day long. That's what God does when we pray. God answers. He hears, and He answers prayers. The only kind of prayer that isn't answered is one we refuse to pray. Off we pray in disbelief. If we don't believe God. You know, sometimes we contradict our own praying. Anybody ever heard this? Lord, if it's your will to heal. If it wasn't God's will to heal, would he have told us that Jesus was wounded? He was bruised by his stripes? You were healed? Would God's word tell us that if he wasn't our healer? If it isn't praying for your lost loved ones and understanding that as a wife or a husband, you pray for your unsaved wife or husband that they are sanctified, how are they sanctified? By the word of God through prayer when we pray for them. Because God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. The very fact that we are sitting here today is that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance because it says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that in the last days many scoffers will come saying, Where is the sign of His appearing? Where is His coming? 
For since our fathers fell asleep, we have heard. But he says, understand this, that with God, one day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. So what may seem like an eternity to you and me is nothing to God. Because he's timeless, he's eternal, and so are you and I. But he says, God is not willing. He has delayed his coming because he's not willing that any should perish. He's given us more time because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When you and I look up through the skies and we say, Maranatha, which means come quickly, come Lord Jesus. We look and we, we are praying for his appearing. We want him to come, but God's saying, not yet. Not yet. I still got some harvesting to do. I still some lost people out there that need to know. And how are we going to break? How are we going to break through except through prayer? How are we going to reach them except through prayer? Because Jesus said, no man comes to me lest he's drawn by the Spirit of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And if we have a compassion for lost people, we pray for them. We pray for them. How are we going to reach them? Well, if we pray, God will show us how. God will show us how. But if we don't, they perish. They perish. Many times in my Christian walk, God has laid it upon my heart to pray for a person. And so often, I didn't know exactly how to pray at the time. I just didn't know. But out of obedience, I just began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And as I prayed in the Holy Spirit, God would reveal to me who I was praying for. And I would pray for them until I got a release from the Holy Spirit. Once I got that peace in my heart that God had handled the situation, then I would cease at that moment to pray in the Holy Spirit. I would still continually pray for them until I knew that God had answered. My brother... And a friend of his is going to, going to be with Jesus now. They prayed for me that way. Three days of intense praying and fasting and believing God for me till I came to the Lord. I've shared this story before, but for in case you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. But August the 15th, just a few days ago, August the 15th, 1975, 4 o'clock in the morning, God just began to deal with me and I was in a bad place, believe me. And God began to deal with me just out of nowhere, just boom. God began to deal with my heart. It it was triggered by something somebody said. They weren't a believer either. I mean, I wasn't in an evangelistic meeting. I was in anything but an evangelistic meeting. But something that was said just triggered something in my heart. And it was... You know, you would almost call it bizarre, but it was such a God thing. And God began to deal with me in that moment, and I literally left a party and went home and knelt in my mother's bathroom and gave my heart to Jesus. I didn't know till later, much later, that my brother and this other brother in the Lord, who would just aggravate the snot out of me, he would call me about every day and tell me that Jesus loved me and he was praying for me and just all kinds of stuff like that just really irritated the fire out of me at that time but he did it because he loved me but they were praying and fasting 
on the third day of their praying and fasting, God got a hold of my heart and brought me to Him. And I'm here today because of that. Because somebody cared enough and they loved me enough to get on their face to God and not give up until God answered. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, I would that men would always pray and not faint. Not faint, not give up. So don't give up praying. If you have people in your life you're praying for, don't give up. If you have situations in your life, pray until you get an answer. Don't stop praying. Seek the Father. He'll answer. Call upon me and I will answer. God will answer. You just keep praying. The solution, the answer is there. God will either send someone with the answer who will tell you, or God will show you in His Word, or He will supernaturally reveal it to you. But there's an answer. But you won't get the answer if you don't pray, if you don't seek God. Whenever situations arise and we're afflicted, we have trouble, go to God. Pray. Pray. I'm going to close out the service a little bit different this morning than I normally do. But I want you to just stand to your feet. I'd like for us to kind of gather in little clusters of maybe five or six or, you know, if you don't have more than five or if you've got more than that, it's okay. I mean, those, but just turn around right wherever you are. Just grab a few folks. If you see somebody by themselves, go get them and bring them into your group. Don't let anybody be alone. But what we're going to do this morning is we're going to pray. We're going to pray and believe God answers. The Bible says, if any two of you agree on earth as touching anything you ask of the Father in my name, I You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.